This is the Mooncast. Welcome to the Mooncast. I don't want to waste any of your time, so let's just jump right into it. Today we're going to be talking about Marlowe, about Alex Labs and Bitcoin Layer 2 Scaling Solutions, and of course, Bitcoin ETF season. So let's just jump right into it now. And as you guys can see here, I'm at the Marlowe homepage, right? And it says here that Marlowe is an ecosystem of tools and languages to enable development of financial transactional smart contracts, right? Formal proofs, extensive testing, and analyze and analysis tools provide strong assurances for the safety of Marlowe smart contracts, right? Marlowe includes a full suit of tooling to support all skills, skill levels for both community and enterprises. Marlowe smart contract is built, is built by combining a small number of building blocks that describe making a payment, making an uh, observation of something in the real world, waiting until a certain condition becomes true and other similar types of concepts, right? So basically to sum it up, what Marlowe is, is basically a tool set that was supposed to come out actually in 2021 when Cardano released smart contracts to make it easier for developers to be able to develop on Cardano. This was a huge issue back when, you know, Alonzo was forming and everything and they were getting ready to launch the Pluto smart contracts and there was a lot of hype during the bull run. And I remember that clearly. And also I had talked to a couple projects because basically what ended up happening was after the launch of smart contracts on Cardano, there was no tooling and it was very hard for developers to build. And actually there was no dApps that were usable on Cardano until almost a year later. It was like six months to a year later. I think the first the first dApp that, that came out, this is back in I think 2022 in Q1 was, was Sunday Swap, right? Now Sunday Swap had some legal issues and you know, the they botched the launch of their you know, they they were end up people were trolling, calling them Sunday flop, right? <laughs> you know, so they botched the launch, the decks, everything was extremely slow. It was it was a, a complete you know mess, you know to say the least. And I remember it as clear as day. And you know, it really took Cardano down. Cardano was actually one of the first layer one smart contract protocols to really start bleeding out during the the tail end of the bull run. So they peaked super late. And then they tailed off uh, while other, you know, coins and things were pumping. So there's something to keep in mind, too, as well. So Cardano kind of moves on its own strength. You know, they kind of move how they want to move whenever they want to move. And so just to keep that in mind, because when the next bull run comes and you do allocate capital into Cardano, just realize that their timing is not always cohesive to the other layer one smart contract protocol. So you might see those start moving first or Cardano will move randomly when they're not moving. And uh, yeah, that's when you know kind of it's Cardano season. So, but yeah, Sunday Swap basically flopped and it took a while for a DEX to be legit on Cardano. I think it took literally a year. I think MinSwap was the first fully functional DEX on Cardano and it took some time, but there was no tooling. And I remember talking to some projects that ended up actually leaving the Cardano ecosystem and going to go build elsewhere because of the fact that they 
were taking so long to be able to create the tooling. And actually, some of the people that I spoke to that went to go build on AVAX or wherever, they said that it would take, that Cardano was minimum two years away. And I was like, no freaking way they're two years away because they were hyping this thing up, marketing it, and it was getting super hyped. And he happened to be right. You know, it literally took two years for the tooling to come out, basically. Um, yeah, just basically about two years because I think the preliminaries for, for Alonzo came out in the summer of 2021, if I, if I can recall and recollect um, appropriately. So, I, and I think that the mainnet didn't release, I think, until August. And then there was the issue of, you know, they, they needed some kind of, uh, some kind of tooling that was, that was missing, you know, and they weren't able to get the, um, I forgot the name of the tooling. I think it was, um, I don't know if it was Plutus. There was, uh, oh, the, the pad, the backend, right? The Plutus application backend. That was, that's what it was, right? And there was this talk about when pab, when pab, when pab, and there was, a, yeah, so you had the issue of the Plutus application backend. That was what was missing. And they didn't, they weren't able to get that. So, so you had workarounds and devs having to do different types of workarounds because the, the pab was missing, right? And so, yeah, this is basically gonna make things a lot easier. This is stuff that Ethereum kind of already has and other smart contract pro protocols already have these kind of this kind of streamlined processes to make things easier for developers to be able to develop in the ecosystem. But with Cardano, they're just not coming out with it now. So it's extremely interesting. You guys should go check it out at docs.marlo.iohk.io. That's docs.marlo.iohk.io. And yeah, it's super interesting. It has all the different infrastructure tools, the playground, the smart contract language, and so on and so forth. So to make things seamless and streamlined for the developers. So just again, just to know the conclusion is basically Cardano late again as always, but they at least they deliver. They do deliver. That's the thing with Cardano. They deliver. They just deliver when you don't expect them to deliver or when they say they're going to deliver something, but then it takes them four or five years later for them to deliver. I think it's the same thing with staking too as well. The staking was supposed to come out, I believe. I think staking came out in 2020, if I'm not mistaken, but it was supposed to come out a few years earlier. And so it's always like that with Cardano. They're always a couple years behind. So when they say that something is launching or something's coming out, just always have a two-year threshold of when it's actually going to take place. But then you can capitalize on that when you're allocating capital because you know when stuff is pumping, you know to sell the news because you know they're not going to be able to deliver on the thing that they say they're going to be able to deliver on. But yeah, that's pretty much it for Marlowe. Let's move on to the next topic. So as we can see here, uh, BlackRock, right? So BlackRock files spot Bitcoin ETF. And so when we scroll down here, we can see the 9 trillion asset under management BlackRock has applied for a Bitcoin ETF, right? This is huge, major news. This is basically BlackRock owns majority of the world and they you know, have more assets under management than countries have GDP or liquidity, period, right? And so when they have decided to apply for something, that legitimizes the something that they're applying for, right? And so it says the New York City investment firm will utilize Coinbase custody for potential ETF, right? Additionally, the cryptocurrency exchanges spot market data will be used for pricing. Coinbase has yet to release a statement on the new application, right? So 
they will basically be using Coinbase to be able to facilitate the thing they need, right? So it says, despite the ongoing crypto regulatory battles between the SEC and Binance and Coinbase, BlackRock is continuing its work in crypto with its Bitcoin ETF. Coinbase and BlackRock began working together last year through offering digital assets to institutional investors. This is what I would say, right? I, I was already under the assumption that the institutions were buying. They just haven't done a press release or marketed the fact that they were buying, right? I don't think that they're actually going to buy as the market is pumping, right? I think that they've bought before because if they're already releasing the the, uh, the application to the SEC to be able to facilitate the Bitcoin ETF, it leads me to believe that they've, they've already been buying or they do have some Bitcoin in their reserves already, but they haven't allocated strongly yet until the thing gets approved and then they'll allocate more capital. But typically these guys get in before you know at the lows you know and that way their their clients have a strategic advantage and they have a strategic advantage where they're making actual profit and actual money right but how these hedge funds work anyways is they act as a custodial service to legitimize they're in the trust business right so they they help clients to trust them to give them then the capital to then invest in the thing the clients could already do for themselves and then take a fee right and that's kind of the main business model that you need to look at and see how these hedge funds kind of operate. So my thing is, I think BlackRock was already has already been buying, but I do think that they will get approved. I think it's they've only gotten disapproved one time out of 576 applications. So the probability is quite high that they will get approved. When will they get approved? My my guess is Q1 next year. That's what I'm thinking, right? So and it started a legitimate avalanche of you see a lot of different companies right like if you look at fidelity you look at uh, you see here you see former sec chair says bitcoin etf should be approved right so you see the former sec chairman is also saying that the bitcoin etf should be approved they did approve a futures etf which i'll show you guys later too as well so i'm just going to run down all the etfs and just kind of get a look kind of get a glance but it's quite obvious that the Bitcoin ETF should have already been approved and it shouldn't be taking this long to get approved because other countries have been able to get it together to get their Bitcoin ETF approved. If you look at Hong Kong and China, they have a Bitcoin ETF and Ethereum ETF, which we'll get to as well and just talk a little bit about that as well. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's super interesting to see where things are going in the landscape of these ETFs. But if we just go on to the next particular piece of news you can see here the bitcoin etf approval is unlikely to transform the crypto market this is what jp morgan is saying right so again they're trying to again manipulate the market to make you perceive that the bitcoin etf won't do anything but it's a spot etf right so there's a difference between a spot and the future so the futures etf that gets approved those are getting approved because they're okay with a bit of market manipulation because you're not buying the actual bitcoin right it's not actual bitcoin you're buying you're trading the price so it's it's a derivative right so it's not the actual bitcoin so it's something to really really understand and i try to make a point of emphasis on this especially with clients is you need to understand the difference between a futures etf versus a spot etf and you need to understand the idea of, of having your own custody of your own coins people don't really understand that and the not your keys not your crypto it's very important to understand why it's important to custody your assets yourself if you look at what happened with ftx and the in the entire debacle that happened last year 
Well, the people that were leaving their, their coins on the exchange, they ended up holding the bag when FTX was found that they were over leveraged and they were buying real estate properties with customer funds and there was intermingling with customer, customer funds. And so it's extremely important to always protect yourself in crypto. For me, my number one priority is security, right? If my value is not secured by me and me alone, then I don't want to take part in it. If I can't secure my value myself, it's the, it's the only asset class where you can secure your own value yourself. And so you should take pride in doing that and learning that and researching that. If you can't already, there's multiple tutorials on YouTube. I used to have a course, but recently took down because I uh, decided to do more of a personal, personalized experience one-on-one -on -one with, with clients. And it made more sense for me, but, and also for them too as well. So, but the idea is that you swap your fiat and move into a new system and you hold your coins in that new system. So basically it's like a digital safe, you know, that's the best way to describe your non-custodial wallet, right? MetaMask, you know, uh, Kepler wallet, uh, e Eternal wallet, Exodus wallet, and so on and so forth. Ledger, which is more of a hardware um, integration too as well that you can use as a two-factor authentication. So there's many different ways in which you can hold your value, right? And so the article goes on to read, it says, Bitcoin exchange traded funds have regained momentum after BlackRock's recent application. As we said, there's going to be an avalanche of everyone else because they follow what BlackRock does, right? So when BlackRock says they're going to do X, everyone else is also going to do X, right? Because they're in competition with one another and they don't want to lose and miss out. And so it says, which in itself resulted in significant market gains. As a result, many are anticipating a potential surge in the market if these applications receive approval, right? Then it says, it goes on to read, however, JP Morgan analysts hold a different perspective asserting that Bitcoin ETFs will have a minimal impact on the overall crypto market. <laughs> BS, right? If you look at BlackRock alone, even if they just allocate 1% of their entire uh, portfolio assets under management, right? Or their, their liquidity, right? If they, if they allocate just 1%, of the, of the nine or $10 trillion that they have, that would pump the markets significantly, right? Just BlackRock alone. There's still Fidelity, there's still Charles Schwab, there's still Citadel, all these people are getting in, right? So this article goes on to read, it says, as uh, it says, uh, in conjunction with BlackRock, Invesco and WisdomTree have also made initial and subsequent applications for a spot Bitcoin ETF. However, the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, has not yet granted approval for this type of ETF. Never, nevertheless, there is growing optimism that regulatory regulator may approve one soon, right? So according to JP Morgan, it is believed that certain concerns raised in early filings have been addressed in more recent submissions, right? So basically, there's a, there's the SEC is trying to stay relevant, right? And the thing is, the this is what my theory is, right? I, I think the stock exchange will eventually become the block exchange, right? And if they categorize Bitcoin already as a commodity, and then if ETH follows as becoming a commodity, that leaves precedence for the rest of the smart contract layer one protocols to also be commodities, which would basically transform the entire stock market eventually because the stock market can be optimal more optimal if it had access to global liquidity 
and anyone could participate in it. So imagine if you have a stock and you tokenized it and you leverage a tokenization model to create incentives, uh, have transparency using chain analysis and all these different types of things and also give you access to global liquidity, it's more advantageous for you to do so, right? So I really truly believe stocks will become cryptocurrencies, right? And if they become cryptocurrencies and they're listed as commodities, then the CFTC would be more so in charge of them than the SEC and there would be no real reason for the SEC to exist anymore, right? So if the SEC doesn't exist anymore, then the, all those people that are in those positions don't have jobs, right? So they're obviously trying to fight for power, in my opinion, to be able to still be relevant, right? Even though this idea of securities and unregistered registered securities, I think it will go away over time because, and also you as an individual should get to decide if you want to put money into an unregistered security or not, if they do categorize it as such. If I want to buy poop tomorrow, why should I be stopped from buying poop if that's what I want to buy with my money that I exchanged for my time, right? It's my God-given right to be able to do so and do whatever it is with my money as long as it's not an illicit activity, which is unregistered security is not really an illicit activity, right? Um, it's just a, another form, in my opinion, of crowdfunding, you know, these ICOs, IDOs, however you want to call them, right? And that's just kind of how I see them. So I see the SEC is trying to struggle to continue to gain power. And it, it's it's really sad to see. But at the end of the day, this is just the, the situation that it is. You know, the, the famous saying goes first, they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. And we're just in that fighting stage of trying to convince them that this is a legitimate asset class that people want to allocate their capital towards to protect themselves from the system that continues to rob them every single day and make them work even harder and produce even more. You know, we used to, 20 years ago, people were making less money. People made less money and they had more disposable income. People used to still pay for things in cash. Now everything is almost pretty much by credit, right? So this idea that, this idea that, that, you know, we should stay in the system that robs people. Literally, it should be a human rights violation is what, I, what, is what I always say. It robs people from their ability to have more time. And the time is actually the most valuable resource. It's not the money. It's not the good of the service. It's actually time. And if you don't have enough free time, well, then you live your entire life as a, as a wagey or, you know, working in a hamster wheel. And it's, it's, it's completely, it's a mess. It's a mess. You know, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but let's go ahead. Let's move on to the next thing. And so here again, we look at uh, Valkyrie files for a spot uh, Bitcoin ETF and includes a Coinbase. So it says crypto asset manager Valkyrie has filed for a spot Bitcoin ETF while listing Coinbase as an SSA counterpart, right? Moreover, uh, following similar filings, the firm has included the surveillance sharing agreement SSA to better comply with the U.S. Security and Exchange Commission SEC standards. The rise in spot Bitcoin ETF filings has been notable since BlackRock initially filed this month. Subsequently, fellow asset management behemoth uh, Fidelity filed suit. Additionally, both utilized Coinbase in their SSA pr proposals specifically to combat into SEC's responses to the filings, right? And so, again, we see another big time 
hedge fund getting into the game and filing for a spot Bitcoin ETF. This isn't going to stop. People want what they want. The, 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 the demand is speaking for itself. The market has decided. It's the same with anything that happens in life, right? When you look at prohibition, they tried to ban alcohol. What did we do? We created speakeasies, right? Until the point where they kept fighting, fighting, fighting until they just made it legal, right? For us to be able to drink alcohol. Then they tried to do the same thing with weed. And now we're at the stages where people are starting to make it legal to be able to, to have recreational marijuana, you know? And that's just what people wanted. And you can't fight demand, right? The people want what they want. This is what I always try to tell people. They will always find a way to get what they want. Now people want to stop being robbed from their time. And so they want to allocate their capital towards something that has shown and proven to be the most safest network operating system in human history. Right? It's the most safest uh, network operating uh, system in human history. And it has been proven to... To increase in value while the dollar continues to decrease in value over the course of time, over uh, almost a decade and a half now, this asset has been been around. So if it's not legitimized, then what is it? You know, because it's been around for almost a decade and a half now, people are still questioning the legit legitimacy of this asset. Right? Never been hacked, never slowed down, never stopped. Only network in human history that's ever done that. Right? And people want. To allocate their capital towards that and they'll find different and nuanced ways of doing that even if you try to air quotations ban it which is even possible because a decentralized operating system who do you go to there's no ceo right there's no one to really go to to be able to stop this thing from from happening right so this is this is what people want that the market has decided and, and the sooner they realize this and let this happen the more that they'll flourish right like what el salvador is doing I, I consider them going to be a huge juggernaut in the next five to 10 years because they have such a head start compared to everyone else who's still trying to figure out regulations, still trying to just just make things simple, you know, lower taxes or make them zero or make the thing a legal tender so people don't even need to pay tax on it. Entice entrepreneurs to come. Entrepreneurs stimulate the economy through GDP. So you're not stimulating the economy by borrowing money or printing money. Right. It's a false sense of market stability or market growth. It's not real. Right. It's not real. And so anyways, let's move on to the next piece of news. So again, Fidelity officially files for a spot Bitcoin ETF. So they're also in the game, too, as well. And as you guys know, they have four point two trillion dollars assets under management. And yeah, so this is another one that, again, is, is filed after Black after BlackRock, right? And so just Fidelity and BlackRock alone, you're looking at roughly what 14 trillion, above a little bit over 14 trillion, or around 14 trillion assets under management. Imagine if just one percent. Imagine if just half a percent of the 14 trillion of assets under management go into Bitcoin. What does that do to the market, right? You guys can do the math yourselves. So. It's just it, it, it's frustrating, you know, because the writing's on the wall, but people still don't listen. And then they, they, they're they always the same people that, that come two, three, four years later, like, oh, I wish I would have did this or I wish I would have did that. You know, you have to take risks, man. You just have to take risks. It's the only way to get ahead in life. And this is the best asymmetric bet in the history of my generation, in my in my opinion. Bitcoin and cryptocurrency as an asset class is the best asymmetric bet we will ever have. Better than real estate, better than gold, better than silver, better than stocks, better than mutual funds, 
There's no other asset class like this asset class because it can exponentially scale your net worth. Imagine doing a 10x on your portfolio in just two, three to four years. All you have to do is buy and wait and buy more while you're waiting. Get cash, move it out from the old system into the new system and wait. That's all you have to do. It's not complicated. It's not hard. But for some reason, people don't do it. They don't listen. They don't pay attention. They run away from the market when the market is cold and they come to the market when the market is already hot where you should actually do the vice versa. You should be coming to the market when it's cold and you should be looking to get out of the market when it's hot, right? You should be a contrarian. You should always do the opposite of what other people are doing, right? So you need to really be paying attention because this might be the last chance. I'm not entirely sure, but this might be the last chance to really make significant gains to your net worth, like significant gains. I'm talking 10 to 20 to 30 to 40X on your portfolio. 50x on your portfolio and because if you look at it all the institutions are now starting to get in right they want to do the spot bitcoin etf and what happens another thing two people don't really think about what happens after the spot bitcoin etf when now they, they start to introduce an eth etf right this is what i'm thinking so if they introduce a spot bitcoin etf the eth etf will probably come in my opinion five to six months after not in terms of the filing, but in terms of it being approved, right? So it might behoove of you to maybe look into ETH if the Bitcoin ETF does get approved because certainly the Ethereum ETF would be the next in line. Now, some may say Ethereum is a commodity. Some may say it's security. You know, that's for you guys to decide. But if it does get approved, it's on. It's on, you know? But I just don't see the the point in holding on and leaving all your money in the bank or if your money's not on the bank or putting it into a 7 to 10% return in the S&P 500 when you can get a 7 to 10x, not a 7 to 10% return, but a 7 to 10x in a few years by allocating your capital into the crypto market, right? Bitcoin from here, you know, it's at 30K right now, probably will end up doing like a 4 to 5x from here. Maybe more, you know, within the next bull cycle. It depends. But I just, it will be very hard to move the market if, you know, if BlackRock and all these people get in the next cycle, it will be significant diminishing returns. I mean, I think the only way to really move the markets heavily is when more nation states start adopting Bitcoin as legal tender. That's the only way, you know, and they actually start holding it in their balance sheets. Right. So that's just kind of how I see these things. And. Yeah, so let's move on to the next piece of news. And so we can see here, HSBC enables Bitcoin Ethereum ETF trading in Hong Kong, right? How is Hong Kong able to figure out getting a, a Bitcoin in Ethereum ETF before the United States? Not saying that, that the Chinese are incompetent or anything like that. I'm not saying any of that or Hong Kong people are, are incompetent. I'm just saying that the US is supposed to be the leaders, right? The global leaders. And right now we're, we're, we're not, we're not exemplifying that. Right. And so this article continues to read. It says Bitcoin exchange traded funds ETFs have been garnered significant attention with the crypto industry lately. This is following the plethora of platforms seeking approval for such products in the United States. Now HSBC, the largest bank in Hong Kong has begun permitting its clients to buy and sell Bitcoin and Ethereum ETFs. Fs, right now, 
one of the things is so with ETFs, right? I, I don't mind that you know these big tech companies are getting in, and of course they want to make their money, right? And of course, you know they're there to make money. That's what they're there to do. But I, I do wish that more people knew about self custody because they wouldn't even need to go to a ETF or a wealth fund or a hedge fund to be able to facilitate the thing they need, right? They would just be able to buy the thing that they want and hold it themselves and maybe pay less fees. You know, you know, there's going to be fees involved. So I don't know. I'm just a big proponent of buying the asset itself and holding it yourself in self-custody. But nonetheless, it brings great exposure to the market and it helps legitimize the asset class. And it's crazy with Hong Kong specifically because I remember for every single year till this year, China and Hong Kong were banning Bitcoin, you know, and I kept telling people it's FUD, it's FUD, it's fear, uncertainty and doubt, it's FUD, it's FUD, it's FUD. And, and people just didn't listen, you know, they just didn't listen. And it's just funny to see that there's no FUD with, with China banning Bitcoin anymore. Like that's not going to be a, a new thing to FUD the market for the next cycle. I don't know what the next FUD is going to be for the next cycle. I mean, now we have Coinbase and Binance getting sued. It's ridiculous what they're doing. It's so obvious that it's the timing. It, it just It's very calculated how they're pushing Binance and Coinbase away from the U.S. Meanwhile, the huge uh, wealth funds and hedge funds are getting into the game, right? Simultaneously, as they're trying to push Binance and Coinbase into all these legal lawsuits. Or, or It's crazy. It's crazy, you know? Um, so, yeah, just something to keep in mind. It's, it's absolutely nuts what's going on. And it's, a, it's another indicator as to why you shouldn't trust mainstream media. You should listen to people that actually know what the hell they're talking about and people who aren't trying to push a certain narrative, who are just here reporting the news, like me, for instance, right? Trying to tell you guys exactly what's going on, how it's going on, and draw the correlations between what's going on. And so you're not just focused on one piece of news. You're able to see all aspects in a holistic manner and then come up with your own conclusion based off of the data sets that you get, right? And so that's what I try to do. You know, I try to bring you guys different sets of data, different levels of understanding to be able to analyze the market and make more comprehensive decisions for yourselves, right? So let's move on to the next piece of news. So the SEC approves first leveraged Bitcoin uh, futures ETF, right? So again, so the SEC has approved the first leveraged Bitcoin uh, futures ETF. Moreover, the volatility shares offering is now the first ETF of its kind to be available in the United States and is set to begin trading on Tuesday, right? So this is this article came out June 23rd, right? So it's just hilarious to me because uh, it's, it's like I told you guys. So with volatility shares, you know, yeah, it's cool. You know, um, I, I don't want to really clap for this because this is just they can manipulate the market even more, right? Because they're trading not the actual Bitcoin. They're just trading on the price of the Bitcoin, right? So it's not the actual Bitcoin. So, but again, I guess it's cool to bring exposure. But again, why is it so easy for the SEC to approve a, a leveraged Bitcoin futures ETF, but not a spot ETF? So something that's even more harmful for consumers. But you're not gonna, you're not gonna, not, you're not gonna approve a actual Bitcoin ETF that's spot, you know? It's absolutely crazy what they're doing. Like it's it's honestly so obvious. It's it just is laughable at this point, you know. But you know, it is what it is. It's something that you guys need to determine for yourselves. But it's quite obvious what, in my opinion, what's going on. 
And yeah, so let's move on to the next piece of news. So we can see here Valkyrie refile spot Bitcoin ETF. We already talked about this. So let's move on to the next piece of news. We can see here French asset manager CAC ICE or CAC C A C E I S CAC ICE to offer crypto custody services, right? And so again, another huge, huge wealth fund, the five trillion French asset under management. Again, another five trillion, right? So them plus Fidelity plus BlackRock alone is like twenty trillion dollars, basically, right? Close to twenty trillion dollars in assets under management. Just, just just those three alone, right? The current market cap in crypto right now is around one trillion. Let that sink in for a second, right? The current market cap in crypto right now is one trillion. The current market cap between CAC, CAC ICE, Fidelity, and BlackRock is almost twenty trillion, right? In terms of assets under management, not the market cap, but the assets under management, right? So just imagine a small percentage of that asset allocation going into Bitcoin, right? Or going into cryptocurrencies in general. So we're not talking about Charles Schwab. We didn't even bring up Citadel. We didn't bring up Deutsche Bank, who's also launching crypto custody services too as well, right? Santander, they started doing uh, Bitcoin information. They started, they, started, they started giving information, educational content on crypto, right? Another huge bank in Spain. So you can see where the trend is going, right? Because this is the thing. The banks, the banks will be forced to, they'll be forced to have to use cryptocurrency, right? Why? Because they're rolling out the central bank digital currency, right? So if they're rolling out the central bank digital currency, then the banks will, what's the purpose of the bank? If, if the entire capacity of all the liquidity is going to be concentrated towards a central bank, there won't really be a need for a private institution because there'll be no competition, right? Or how's the competition going to work? So, in my opinion, I think the banks, they have to they have to adopt cryptocurrency, you know? Because they need to figure out another way to get fees if the CBDC is being run through the Federal Reserve. It's not being run through the actual regional banks, right? And so, they need to find ways to be able to still facilitate product and services to get fees. And one of those ways of doing that is through cryptocurrency, right? And so, it says, moreover, the credit... Agricole and Santander owned asset management firm has registered with France's AMF, the, the markets regulator, in order to provide the services, right? So I just told you guys, one of the biggest Spanish banks is also getting into the game too as well. The asset under manager has notably registered as a digital asset service provider, right? DASP on Tuesday, right? Moreover, the development has now integrated a massive financial institution into the large number of digital asset companies that are registered in the country, right? And so, again, another thing to really keep in mind, to really understand and really comprehend, this is super important to understand what's going on, right? All these big institutions are getting into the game. So what do you think you should be doing? Should you fill your bags or should you wait on the sidelines for everyone else to get rich, right? For everyone else to to, to escape? Because I'm telling you, the next money printing time that goes on, the next the next quantitative easing that goes on, right? The next time they start easing again, 
the the separation between the, the, the people who have money and the people who don't is going to get even larger than what it is right now. And inflation is going to get even worse. It's going to spiral out of control on the next run up. Right. And it has to be a run up. Right. Because you can't keep squeezing the economy and putting people out of business and putting people out of work by increasing the interest rates. Right. Because that's what they're, they're essentially doing. Right. They're breaking the economy on purpose until the point of where it's so broken, they can come and air quotation save the day by printing money again. And each time that they do that, the inflation gets worse and worse and worse. You just kick the can down the road until you're at the end of the road. And then the game ends. And once the game ends, there'll be a new game, right? But do you want to be one of the people that are suffering towards the point where they're kicking the can down the road before they get to the end of the game, before there's a new game? Or do you want to be one of those people that's set up properly to be able to not really have to engage in the, in their game or their new game? The choice is really up to you, you know? It's up to you. You know, it's, 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 it's exhausting trying to... I don't try to convince people anymore, you know? All I do is just try to bring evidence and bring facts and draw correlations and let people kind of decide for themselves, but... You know, I, I hope that people will hear this this message and hear these this podcast, you know, and be able to really decipher for themselves and to be able to think on their own and not and understand that they they shouldn't always just listen to what the government is telling them. And they should have their own brain, own thoughts and move as self-sovereign individuals. So anyways, let's move on to the next piece of news. So, again, they, they, we talked about it a little bit earlier, so the one point trip. 1.5 trillion asset under manager Invesco reactivates Bitcoin ETF filing. So again, they're refiling uh, the Bitcoin ETF again, you know, the, the courtesy of BlackRock. You know, they kind of started this again, avalanche of everyone. ARK Invest is also another one too as well that is uh, is filing for a Bitcoin spot ETF too as well. So we'll see who the ones are going to be legitimate and which ones are going to get it. My guess is no one gets it before BlackRock. They have all the networks. They have, they know how to play the game. They know how to play the legal game. They, they have the, the, the largest amount of liquidity. They have the most trust. They have the, the best branding. So if anyone should get it approved first, it should be BlackRock in my opinion. But Invesco is also going after it too as well. I already mentioned ARK Invest. And this isn't going to stop. It's not going to stop, Right? This just it doesn't just go away. Like people think this stuff is just it's just gonna go away. And the thing is, the 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 thing is this, right? Either Bitcoin goes to zero, or it goes to ten million dollars, and that's it. That's it. There's no in between. It's not gonna fluctuate in this range because the demand is continuing to increase. So. What do you think the probability is? Is that it's going to be more up and to the right or more down and to the left? The choice is yours, you know? People keep trying to beat down the asset and FUD the asset, but the asset stays strong. Continues to stay strong. Anyways, let's move on to the next piece of news. So... Again, we got Wisdom Tree, $87 billion in assets under management. They also filed for the Bitcoin ETF, right? This is not going to stop. It's just not going to stop. 
And I think the sooner people realize this, the sooner that hopefully they'll be able to get in, you know? Same country adoption. That's not going to stop you. There's going to be more countries after El Salvador gets vindicated after the next bull run. It's not going to stop. It's only going to continue to get more and more and more prevalent in our society. And people should stop fighting and stop resisting and just join the movement, right? Decentralization, a decentralized money, an escape from the system that robs you of your time. So let's move on to the next piece of news. So here again, where we talked about with ARK. So they, they reportedly think that they're going to be the first in line for a spot Bitcoin ETF. We'll, we'll see about that. You know, we'll, we'll definitely see about that. Arc, it says here that ARK Investment Management, a pro-Bitcoin firm founded by veteran investor Kathy Wood, is reportedly ahead in the race for a spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund. In mid-June, the investment firm BlackRock filed an application for a spot Bitcoin ETF, triggering notable optimism in cryptocurrency markets. Several, several reports suggested that BlackRock could become the first issuer of a spot Bitcoin ETF in the United States should it receive approval. But the, at that might, oh, excuse me, sorry. So it says, but that might not be the case according to some executives and analysts, right? So it says other applicants will be able to amend their filings with similar agreements at little cost. ARC and analyst Yasmin Lamendra reportedly said, Right. So this article goes on to read a little bit more about ARC. But yeah, the point of the matter is that ARC technologies think that they're going to be able to get the spot Bitcoin ETF approved before BlackRock. It's not going to happen, in my opinion. No, nothing is going to move until BlackRock gets gets approved. And once they get approved, there's going to be a snowball effect of people getting approved after that. And you'll be an influx of new capital coming into the markets. And yeah, that's what's just what's going to be the situation, you know. So let's move on to the next piece of news. So another thing I wanted to bring into people's attention is the Amazon NFT marketplace that people aren't really talking about. This is a little bit older piece of news, about a, about a month old, month and a half old or whatever. But it says Amazon NFT marketplace, the future of digital collectibles, right? So the Amazon NFT marketplace will offer a wide variety of digital collectibles, trusted security <laughs> and physical goods linked to nfts right and so uh it says explore the marketplace today right and so <laughs> so these big tech companies are getting in right and these, these this is the thing man these oligopolies these these monopolies right so they're trying to tell you all this stuff is a scam everything that you're doing the, the stuff you're investing in it's all scams but in the meantime they're building their own tokenization models that they want you to trust, that they claim is, is more trusted, right? Air quotation. That's what they said, trusted security, right? And it's not true because actually uh, the Bitcoin network is the most secure network in the entire world in human history. It's, it's not Amazon, right? All these different companies have been hacked before because they're centralized, their servers are centralized, right? But anyway, this article goes on to read, the highly anticipated NFT marketplace is finally set up to open in May 15th. So apparently it's open now, right? The groundbreaking, the groundbreaking platform will enable customers to buy, sell, and trade non-fungible tokens seamlessly. In addition, rumors suggest that customers may have the option to receive digital collectibles linked to physical goods, right? So yeah, Amazon's getting into the game. It's interesting. 
Um, Nike also as well is already, you know, they've already done some NFT stuff with LeBron and some other and some other things too as well that they're dropping. So it's just a friendly reminder that this market isn't going anywhere, right? It's not going anywhere. It just depends on who's going to be controlling what, but the market itself, the asset, the technology isn't going anywhere. So it would behoove of you to maybe look into it, to maybe invest, to maybe see what is happening, you know, so you can capitalize on it, right? And so, yeah, let's go ahead and let's move on. So this is another important piece of news that I wanted to bring to as well. It's about Shark Tank, right? So Shark Tank, but so it says Shark Tank, but make it crypto, right? <laughs> so it says Coin Coin Market Cap launching comp competition TV show, right? So Killer Whale will allow entrepreneurs to pitch ideas for new Web three products and projects to panel to a panel of judges, right? So it's going to be. Yeah, basically Shark Shark Tank of cryptos is to be called Killer Whale, which is a really really nice name. So, the article goes on to read. It says crypto price tracking site Coin Market Cap is diving into the world of reality TV, releasing a competition show called Killer Whales that draws inspiration from the popular TV series Shark Tank. Right. In partnership with Web3 entertainment company Hello Labs, the new program will allow entrepreneurs to pitch their projects to the Killer Whale judges made up of entrepreneurs, influencers, and founders of Web3 companies. Hello Labs was founded by Paul Kassiling, producer of the MTV VMA Awards, right? And so, yeah, it's very, very interesting. I don't know exactly. It says, oh, beginning on May 2nd, inter inter interested parties can submit their applications to Hello. One, right? And CoinMarketCap. And those chosen will go through several rounds of interviews in Hollywood. Filming for the shows begins in June. Okay, and the show is slated for release across major streaming services in Hello Labs on demand Hello TV service, right? Our aim is to open the door to the next billion users into the Web3 by ent entertaining and educating them on all things crypto, said Hello Labs CEO Sander Gortias in a statement, right? And yeah, so this is very interesting. So this is, so filming's already started. So I, I'm guessing the show will probably come out later this year, I, I guess, you know? Something to maybe I'll do a follow-up on. But again, another interesting thing to go, sort of bring more exposure to help legitimize the asset class. And also, you know, be able to get people to pitch new ideas. And then it will spark other brands to maybe get to build up upon those ideas, right? To create the, you know, the killer app. that That's what I think Web3 is, is missing. Like I always keep saying, and I said it in an earlier podcast, that they're missing that killer application or killer dApp, decentralized application that really can onboard the next 1 billion users, right? You know, then we need that that flashlight app, that Angry Birds app, or that, you know, whatever that is, you know, the MySpace, the Facebook, whatever it is, you need, we need something that will help to onboard hundreds of millions to or hopefully a billion users, you know? And I think that's when, you know, it will take the asset class to the next level, so... Let's go ahead. Let's move on to the next piece of news. So it's not really news here. So I just wanted to a little bit cover stacks, right? So let's go to the let's go to the website, right? So what what is stacks, right? So stacks is a Bitcoin layer for smart contracts, right? So create smart contracts and build decentralized applications on Bitcoin with the stacks layer, right? So why would people want to do this, right? Well, as you know. The Bitcoin layer one is not suitable for, you know, smart contract implementation and usability, right? It's mainly just for peer-to-peer -peer transactions. 
And even that, you should only be doing that on a larger scale. For microtransactions, you should be using layer two scaling solutions like the Lightning Network, where you're pushing your collateral into a Lightning node and being able to transact with other people who also have a Lightning node. And that's basically how that works. And then once that payment channel is done, you can close the payment channel or and then the transaction gets gets uh, reciprocated onto the Bitcoin base layer. Right. So Stacks is a layer two scaling solution for smart contracts. Right. Why is this important? Because if you guys have been paying attention in the bear market, the issue is that, you know, you can now inscribe tokens on the Bitcoin base layer. And this has caused Bitcoin fees to go up and rise a lot because people are inscribing a bunch of NFTs and tokens on the Bitcoin base layer. And there's not enough block space to be able to handle all of the transactions that are happening for each particular block, which the only suitable solution is to go to layer two, right? And I think this is going to become more prevalent during the bull market, right? And the reason I think that is because during the bull market, there's going to be more transactions, there's going to be more projects launching on the Bitcoin blockchain. And it's going to make the Bitcoin blockchain extremely slow at, at base layer and people will be basically forced to go to Lightning Network or to go to other layer two scaling solutions to be able to transact and do decentralized finance and inscribe tokens and implement new projects that have real world or use cases that are suitable for the market demand. Right. And Stacks is the leader in terms of layer two scaling solutions for Bitcoin, right? And so if you look at if, you, if we go back here to their chart, you can see here um, when you scroll down, let's look at their their all time high, right there. So it says here, let's try to see if we can find a little bit more information, right? So their all time high was three dollars and six cents, right? Or 60 cents, three dollars and 60 cents. The current value right now is is 67 cents, right? So they're about a they're they're about a a 5x, you know, from something like that, a 5 6x from their previous all-time high, right? And why am I so bullish on this project, right? Because they actually get things done and there's there's people and projects that are actually building on top of them, right? So if you look, let's take a look at Alex Labs. Right. So Alex Labs is a next gen decentralized applications that's, that's on Bitcoin. Right. It brings your Bitcoin to life, launch new projects, earn interest, rewrite finance and re-innovate culture. Right. And when you launch and you go to their app. Right. And see how their app looks. And get an idea. Right. You can see they already have a DEX. Right. Built on top of stacks. Right. You see they have the BRC20 beta here, right? Look, they have an entire order book DEX. Not the not the not the rookie stuff that you know where it's just a liquidity, a liquidity pool DEX. They have an actual order book DEX. Right? You can set a limit price. Look at what they're building, right? When you look at their pool, you can see all the different types of pools that they have, right? Then when you go to when you go to stake, right, you can stake tokens. You can farm. Right. You see all the different farming pairs that they have. You see all the different APY and the percentages that they have. 
right? You can bridge, you can bridge your, your, your assets, right? Your USDT on, on different chains. So they already have a bridge for Ethereum and BSE already, right? And they have a launch pad. They have a launch pad, right? So why am I bringing up Alex Labs in? So before, before I say that, let me, let me go back to Alex Labs, right? The market cap right now of Alex Labs is only 49 million, right? And they're building an all-in-one inclusive sort of all-purpose DeFi ecosystem on the Bitcoin blockchain, right? Using stacks. The volume is quite low, right? Because we're in the, in the bear market, of course. But the point that I want to make is if you look at their all-time high, their all-time high was 33 cents. And right now, they're at 8 cents. And even even then, that's just what, like a 4x? That's like a 4x, right? <laughs> Which would only put it at $160 million market cap. In the peak of the bull run, nothing in the top 100 was like lower than like 1.5 billion, if I'm not mistaken, right? In market capitalization. So 160 million would be extremely small. This thing could have 100x potential. I'm not saying it will, but if Bitcoin is going to pump and it's going to be slow to do transactions on Bitcoin, my bet is that Alex Labs and Stacks will be the suitable alternatives that will be ready and capable of being able to handle the influx of liquidity that's coming off the Bitcoin layer one into layer two to play with DeFi, to inscribe tokens, to even just transact, right? And or to launch new projects. So this is why I'm really, really big on Alex Labs. I, I just see everything that they're building, everything that they're doing. And I just don't see how they lose, you know, during the boom. And I mean, obviously, a lot of people don't lose, but I really think that this this particular project could potentially 100x. I'm not saying it will, but I, I have allocated some capital here, right? We'll see where the chips fall. You know, I might go back and clip this 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 podcast to see, you know, if I was right or not on Alex Labs or on Stacks, you know, because Stacks is also not a bad bet too as well. Because imagine Bitcoin is at a three trillion market cap or at a at a two point five trillion market cap, something like that, right? Well, where is it at now? Let's let's if we if we take a look at Bitcoin, right? Let's just let's let's have a look at Bitcoin. Let's just see where it is right now currently. Right? So when we look, Bitcoin's about 50% market dominant, so it's around 500 to or 600 billion, right? In terms of market cap. So a 5x from here would put it at about a 3 trillion market cap, right? And so Bitcoin at 3 trillion market cap means the ecosystem, right? This is what happened last cycle. The, the money trickled down to the ecosystem, especially because when things were getting clogged and the, the, the chain you know, was very slow and there wasn't so much to do on there, people will look for alternative ways to make money, alternative ways to move money, right? Alternative solutions. And for me, Stacks, in combination with Alex Labs, seem to be the best current workaround solutions for Bitcoin Right, because Lightning is something different. It's just a payment channel, right? A, a layer two scaling solution. It's not for DeFi. It's not for smart contracts. And 
this is basically how I see the next bull run. So I'm anticipating this and I think I'm going to allocate some capital into stacks too as well. And I've allocated some, as I told you, into LX Labs. And this is what I think could be, you know, hidden gems because as the, as the capital from 3 trillion in Bitcoin anticipated, right? We're just all speculating. Let's just say a few hundred billion of that capital goes into the Bitcoin ecosystem. There's not so much projects that are legit on the Bitcoin ecosystem right now that are actually usable. There's only Alex Labs, Stacks, and I know Liquid is doing some stuff. Lightning Network, obviously, you can use, but there's no token. There's Mint Layer, but they're not ready yet. There's not so much on the Bitcoin ecosystem, right? So if just a few hundred billion go into these ecosystems, imagine what they could do in terms of multiples, you know? So yeah. This is pretty much it. This is everything I wanted to talk about today, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast, man. And peace.